Hi there, local citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around manifesting a new world. I am your host, Florence Adu, coming to you from a wintry Brooklyn evening. We got our first, like, well, my first being here. I want to say real snowstorm. It snowed. It snowed all day for the most part. It's chilly. And I'm so grateful that my guest took the walk. <laughs> But she took the walk to come and be in my space and share a nice toasty cup of tea, which is part of the local citizen story as well. We were just talking about it. It's a tea I picked up in Switzerland and um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Just as some background on how I met my guest for today is that she is a friend of another local citizen, a very good friend. And we met in Ghana just a few weeks ago. And that friend is Nadia Swaby. And uh, they go way back. We, you know, try to get together whenever she's in Ghana. And so we had a lovely time at the mix, which is the art opening that happened then. And again, more show notes. Shout out to my friends who also are the Friday Night Lights and Sunday Brunch um, curators of sound at the mix restaurant. So you're gonna have rich show notes, folks. But yeah, so we met and of course, Global Citizens Connect and it's awesome. And so let me get to her bio so we can get to our conversation. So my guest is a meditation guide, ritual artist, certified yoga teacher and wellnesspreneur, empowering people to feel better more of the time. She curates wellness events for marginalized communities as co-founder of Blind Seed, which nurtures growth for city dwellers with an interest in clean living and self-expansion. As an adolescent equity and inclusion activist, after graduating from the University of Pennsylvania, she went on to become a writer, creative producer, and brand marketing strategist before shifting her focus to health and healing arts. Her current work as a wellness organizer, pleasure activist, and food justice advocate centers inclusive, holistic approaches to collective care and well-being. Tara Purnell, AKA Tara Aura. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I love it here. Yay. <laughs> Thank you for coming. We're so excited for the conversation. And so let's jump right in. Where are you from? Where are you local? And what is your craft? Okay. So I am originally from Washington, DC. I am local. I love this question. I'm local in Brooklyn, New York, um, as well as Washington, DC. And yeah, I just, I feel so grateful to make both of those places home. Nice, mm -hmm. nice. And the final question was? What is your craft? What's my craft? Yes. Oh, mm, I mean, <laughs> the bio was so thorough. Thank you. My craft is, is well-being, I think. Mm. You know, it's, it's a practice mm -hmm. of feeling better more often, mm -hmm. not being well, or healthy you know it's it's more uh, whole wholeness so yeah i think my craft is feeling better more often and helping ha translate that part of the human experience okay yeah yeah i like that i like it <laughs> i like it a lot and so when you think about how you got to that point mm. Like, how did you get to the point where you wanted to feel better and wanted others to feel better? Where where did that start in your journey? I mean, there's, I grew up, you know, in DC, we're a very like highly educated city. It's very conservative. Um, and I, I had a wonderful childhood upbringing, you know, full of privilege, but it was also full of hardship. You know, I'm still a black queer woman in the world. And yeah, I, I think it, it was sort of an accident. I didn't realize I was self-soothing. Mm. Um, I didn't realize I was, you know, seeking out answers and from other wisdom keepers, but that's kind of what happened. Mm. Um, and the things I gravitated to, I would say the earliest memories I have are of what I know now are self-soothing behaviors, mm. singing. Ah. So, 
uh-huh. you know, singing as, you know, a hobby. Yeah. It's just like lovely. If you love singing, you love it. Yeah. But I recognize now that singing is also breath work. Mm. And so that practice of really breathing deeply, controlling the breath yeah. is a micro movement. You know, there's so many subtleties to like what you have to do with your vocal cords, your mouth, your tongue, the roof of your mouth to really get the sounds out. Whether you're, you know, belting out Mariah Carey <laughs> right. in your bedroom or, you know, you know, having some kind of like gospel solo in a church. It's just like, okay, mm-hmm. all of these things feel great, but okay, this is also like a self-soothing practice where I'm singing the same song over and over again. I remember hearing songs and being like, oh, I can't wait to learn it, you know, because what I realized also is that these love songs, especially we're singing them also to ourselves. We hear what we say. Yeah. Yeah. So I started, you know, love songs are like everywhere. (laughs) And it didn't hit me until much, much later that like, oh, I've been singing these songs to myself the whole time. Like, also an appreciation, not just of like, oh, one day I'll grow up and, you know, I'll fall in love. It's like, kind of like, also, I love you. Yeah. Also, you're my girl. Like, also, right. you know, yeah. you've been so good to me. You know, yeah. all these little yeah, 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 yeah. lyrics. Right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. You know, you said that you were um, an activist mm-hmm. early on. So, so thinking back and, you know, I, I bring that up because I feel like we have a civic duty nowadays to be activists. And so seeing that that was something that was in you early on. So you mentioned the singing was was that also part of, you know, that kind of empowering yourself to for the wellness or for the well-being? Yeah. I mean, you know. Back in the day, I remember, you know, watching those like Eyes on the Prize or like civil rights historic footage and they're chanting, you know, they had freedom songs like on every picket line. And, you know, that's part of it. And I, you know, I think we've lost some of that. But but still, when I do go out, there's some like little throwback, like little response. Yes. Yeah. So I appreciate that. And I think there was definitely a tie in there of like, oh, well, yeah, we could. We could shout this back and forth all day. Like, but I think the the like equity and inclusion work was just it came more from just my own experience of being bullied mm-hmm. and being othered so many times and you know, so often yeah. and realizing like, okay, the empath's view of this is like, okay, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know how mean you're being, or you know, as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah or how yeah, harmful. Yeah, yeah. So let's try to talk this out. You know, let's let's try to see the other person or listen to their story or humanize everybody right. because wh- what are we doing to each other? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. So, so from there, you go on to university and then you come out as this multidisciplinary person, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so an interesting part of your story, and I, I, might, I want you to lead us there a little bit, but just reading your story, you are, I want to say you're one of the of my guests to actually have brought a product to market. No. Yeah. I mean, and a, it's a big product. Like this is something that if you go to any supermarket, any bodega, any store, you're going to this, this product. Tell us about <laughs> that journey, you know, like, coming out of school, but just getting into that space and how you kind of marshaled all of your Ivy League education and experiences and not to, you know, (laughs) but it's true. You know, (laughs) we got to love our, our, our magic. So yeah. 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 Tell us about the watermelon water. Yes. Thank you. Oh, good times. So when it came up, you know, as an opportunity, it was just, just an idea. Mm. A friend and I were hanging out on a rooftop and it was the kind of friend who was like, you know, friend of a friend. We've hung out a few times, but we definitely don't know what each other do for a living. Sure. You know, you're just, we're, we're, we socialize. Yeah. And so we kind of just were catching up. You know, what have you been up to? And she's so inspired by this idea. I just learned that like, you know, watermelon has all these nutritional benefits. Functionally, it's like amazing. As hydrating as coconut water yeah. when, you know, juiced up the proper way. 
Sure. And um, okay. mm-hmm. the proper way. Okay. Yeah. You got some science. Hey, you got some food science. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, she's getting me excited about like, wow, I, you know, I didn't realize I love watermelon, but you know, what are you going to do? And she's like, you know, why isn't there a watermelon juice on the market? Because it's so perishable. Mm. Well, there's this food, new food technology out there cold, uh, cold press, you know, technology that allows this sort of compression process that, you know, makes everything more shelf stable. So the timing just kind of felt right and continued to feel even more right. Where I was in fashion at the time, producing photo shoots for one of the fashion tech companies like Flash Sales. Mm. And I was just not inspired by the fashion world. Mm. I'm like, I like style, sure. But I don't care about these like fashion houses and who's <laughs> on the runway. Like, I, mm-mm. so I really wanted to like get back into people or some kind of impact driven work. And as she's talking, I was like, so wait, what, what phase are you in? Like, what do you need? And she's like, wait, what do you do? <laughs> and I'm like, what do you need? Right. And so, yeah. you know, from there, she realized I had a background in marketing mm-hmm. and that I've been used to very high level production right and yeah so the transition was pretty seamless oh wow yeah so i had never worked in the beverage industry but when i'm you know when it comes to producing all these marketing materials writing the copy training everyone on the brand standards and you know sort of how we communicate how we treat each other it all kind of just yeah it was my wheelhouse so i was there as i think their first employee you know had some equity and there was a food scientist as well and then we kind of built this amazing team. And within, definitely within a year, we had watermelon water on the shelves in Whole Foods. Yeah. And, you know, within, I think, two or three years, we were on the shelves in like 500 more stores, yeah. including Costco. And, yeah. you know, had some really big accounts. We had amazing celebrity investors. Yeah. yeah. So it was just a really fun journey. So a lot of that getting investors was due to your 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 strategy, right? Well, I would say that uh, I think what I brought to our brand identity was really valuable. Right. And right. So, okay. I love your yeah. diplomacy. <laughs> I was like, I did that. Yeah. What? Yeah. So, but no, I, 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 I can appreciate it. And, and so, so I, I ask a lot about kind of, because you're, you've done startup, you understand like the, the bare bones of it and yes. getting to that first investor yeah. and moving on to the next. And so how quickly did the the team grow so you were you were number one you had this this idea of a product you didn't even yet have a product right it was no we were we were doing taste testing (laughs) it was it was was getting there yeah right 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 and so going from getting the right packaging Mm -hmm. getting the right you know choosing the colors Mm -hmm. like all of those things so from would you say that so how quickly did you go from being like the startup core to a big business? I mean, not as quickly as we could have. Probably, I mean, because we sort of released the beverage in different markets, sort of, you know, slowly over time, not slowly, but (laughs) not all at once. Right. I feel like, yeah, within like two or three years, we were national Mm -hmm. and I was focusing on like our two biggest markets, New York and LA. So yeah, I think probably within really two years, we had grown a lot, but we had a lot of contracted, you know, people on our marketing team. Mm. Um, in-house, we're still under 10. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a way. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 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 It was small. Uh-huh. We had co-packers in a few different Very cities lean. around. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, we worked with agencies, you know, PR. Yeah packaging the design sure. folks the creative and yeah i mean it yeah it was very very lean mm, interesting <laughs> yeah i just i it's just so fascinating to to get that insight right you know just because manufacturing which is what was going on is often thought of as this big huge you know operation etc cetera, etc cetera, and technology has 
streamlined it quite a bit. So you can be actually very lean. Mm -hmm. And rely on a community of people who are like, already doing it. Right. You know, like some of the equipment that we really, you know, required to make these, you know, cold pressed juices available, it wasn't widely around. You know, you had to really like seek it out. There's one in upstate New York, you know, it's like, okay. So yeah. So getting to that, I would say limited us, but also required a certain kind of just savvy. Yeah. 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 So we're not biting off more than we can chew. You know, we started with one flavor. Yeah. yeah that, that, <laughs> you know, for yeah. a while, yeah. probably 18 months, and yeah. then started thinking about, okay, we can use That'll the ingredi- ingredients we have and sure. maybe do watermelon lemonade, right. you know, with these two ingredients right. still being the only two ingredients. Right. So how about sourcing? Yes. Yeah, so because have- watermelon is a seasonal mm-hmm. and we're in a country that doesn't, that has seasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, we were sourcing from farms all around the U.S. Okay. Texas, of course, has like different seasons. California, different seasons. Yes. Yep. I believe we had another farm in Georgia. Georgia. Mm-hmm. But eventually we grew, you know, quite a bit and we ended up purchasing a farm space mm-hmm. in Puerto Rico. Nice. Sadly, wow. Hurricane Maria came <sighs> and eliminated our crop. Yes. Wow. But yeah, wow. it was, yeah. What a of, ride. I know, what a ride. What a ride. <laughs> yes, acts of God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Maria was a wild ride. Yeah, which is so interesting because, you know, I've spent time in Puerto Rico and the thing about Puerto Rico that in most islands is that they're islands yeah. and all you get is maybe what's there, but I feel like Puerto Rico wasn't growing a lot. So for you to say that you found a farm and were actually growing, that was like proper business like um, farming on an island that I don't believe has a huge agricultural industry. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it was, it would have made an amazing difference. Mm. But yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so we, we're talking watermelon and we're talking about, since we're talking a little bit about, you know, the movement and the shaking of going from one locality mm-hmm. to another. I want to ask you about why the where. So you grew up in DC mm-hmm. and you did watermelon water here yeah. in New York. Mm-hmm. And so now you're based between the two. Yes. And so just tell us a little bit more about why the where. How did you kind of be living, working and playing in the places that you now call home? Yeah. So so from the my experience at Watermelon Water, you know, I became much more invested in our marketing and partnerships. We were sponsoring yoga studios all over the country, soul cycle, you know, spin studios, all kinds of fitness experiences, festivals as well. And I started to realize that there just were so few people of color in this natural food space, in this sort of health and wellness space. I was like, well, I wish we had more experiences for me to sponsor with this budget that we have. So I decided, you know, to start my own experiences, retreats, you know, meditation, day retreat, you know, all kinds of things. And in New York, it was well-received. People love to get out of the city, going upstate for our retreats, but then also doing some things where there is some geographic access issue to just do it right here, just in Brooklyn. It's fine. You know, you can get there and then get back to your responsibilities. We, We understand. But during the pandemic, I think, you know, a lot of business and events kind of just were on hold indefinitely. And an amazing opportunity emerged back in DC, my hometown, as sort of a wellness director and curator of experiences to help people feel better more often. And I was really drawn to it, not just because it's my hometown, but because people move to DC to make a difference, I find, a lot. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of nonprofit. It's a lot of government. Sure. You know, and I just realized that the same, those same values of like overachieving, go, 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 lots of grind culture is reinforced there. And I realized that they need this. Right. You know, DC really needs this. New York also really, really needs this. But at the time, you know, New York was a little bit more hip, 
yeah. they were like, okay, wellness. Yeah, we know what a sound bath is. No big deal. Sure. <laughs> 10 years later, DC's like, come again? Sound who? Ah. Like, no idea. Okay. So, yeah. so, yeah, I think it's just people are less exposed to different healing modalities. They're like, wellness. Yeah, I mean, like, I got a massage last week. It's like, okay, well, it's one version of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I just realized that DC is one of those work hard, play hard kind of micro cultures. Right. That's a lot of fun for a lot of people, young, whatever age. But I think it deserves to have different ways to engage with each other and different ways to actually unwind. Interesting. Yeah, I, I can see I can see where you would see that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about it and I, yeah, I always think of DC as a little of a yeah, a little step behind in the cool factor. Yeah. Right. So it's not as hip because it's more as conservative. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, like, you see people wearing suits like right. all the time. Right. right. I, my, dad, my dad, who spent 40 years in D.C. wearing a suit every day to work, comes yeah. to New York and is like, are there any serious people here? You know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Why does a suit make you serious? <laughs> like, you know, but it's that That's kind of culture question. of like everyone's just childish here it's like okay well <laughs> interesting yeah i guess so like yeah i mean there's two places where you see suits it's midtown and downtown right and less so in both yeah nowadays yes yeah and do you see that has not changed right yeah everyone it's, everyone is a suit yeah yeah and if and if you're not it's kind of like suspicious like you know people mm. are like can't are you are you yeah. Worthy yeah. of my respect. Sure, sure, sure. So there's sure. a lot of, you know, yeah, respectability politics. Okay. So so this opportunity took you back. Yeah. And and so tell us about that opportunity and just in terms of the transition, yeah. right? Yeah. So at that point, you know, we had, as I said, put a hold on a lot of our blind seed events. Blind seed was my wellness company. Right. Um, and we didn't really talk about that. So tell us oh. about where Blind Seed emerged. Okay. Because we talked about we talked about watermelon water, which I think you were also doing concurrently mm -hmm. when you were um, as Blind Seed was yes. was born. Absolutely. So so let's do a little parallel tracking. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so yeah. So actually, as you know, as I was recognizing that there's this missing element of like Black folks, queer folks, like in this wellness event space. I was like, okay, let me develop my own. And that's where Blind Seed came from. Okay. So I partnered with Sarah Elise as my co-founder, who is an amazing, I mean, God, it's like, what can't she do? But she's, she has an amazing catering company, um, an events company called Harvest and Revel. And one day she caught wind of our, of one of my yoga and meditation experiences and offered to cater it. And I was like, yeah. Okay. And you know, Ooh, we just worked really well idea. together. Yeah. And we had a similar focus in wanting to attend to, you know, BIPOC and have queer-led experiences that feel inclusive. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so we hosted our first retreat together, I think, in 2017. Okay. 2018. Yeah. And the idea behind the name is that we're all blind seeds because the seed could never see the tree that it will become. Mm. But it's up to us to continue to be brave, break through our shells, to sprout, to continue to water and nurture ourselves as best we can to grow. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's beyond what we can even conceive. Yeah. Like so much greater you know the fruit so you'll much. bear the flowers you know yeah. it's just yeah yeah, yeah. So particularly in really... this earth environment right you know i was listening to a podcast yesterday and not to you know I'm interrupt your podcast yesterday podcast yesterday and one of the the comments that or things lines of conversation that they were having was about how we inhabit earth mm. It's a higher self podcast is the name of it. And it's how we inhabit earth. And so us being here and not recognizing like where we are limited is in our not recognizing that the earth, this is a place, earth itself is about its own power. 
like earth is going to do what earth is going to do. So whenever people <laughs> say, oh, we, you know, the environment, earth is going to win at the end of all of this, we are inconsequential because we've chosen this place somehow. Yeah. Like we are those blind seas. We've chosen to figure it out somehow, yes. however we've come. And so all we can do is try to revel in what we can see, but earth is gonna win no matter what. So we we should, I guess, existentially humble ourselves yeah. in a way <laughs> and, and, be, and be with that experience of like understanding our blindness and not necessarily trying to conquer this land, this in environment, because we've chosen Earth and Earth is its own. Like say, if we're on Mars, it might be different. If we're somewhere else, it might be different. But I really appreciated that that he said that about Earth being its own power machine. Yeah. Yeah. Earth does not need us. At all. <laughs> At all. Like, At all. Huh. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah. So just, you know, thinking about how we can bring a more sustainable effort to everything we do in this wellness space, you know, being zero waste on our retreats as much as possible, local sourcing, sure. and then also breaking through some of, you know, sort of like dietary stuff. So mm. explaining if we need to, what is the difference between organic and not organic? Sure. What is non-GMO? Sure. You know, why are so many people gluten-free? Yeah. And you know, why? Mm. <laughs> I believe it's because wheat is not the wheat that it used to be. Of course. And the genetic modifications of wheat almost globally, you know, have accelerated some of the harmful ways that it, it is or is not digested. Right. So yeah, lots of leaky gut coming from that and then causing inflammation. And so even without celiac, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I think yeah. it's still causing a lot of harm. Yeah. And it's such a staple on yeah. so many things in this country. It's like, wow. Okay. The world. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. Is. I mean, grain, just to, just to add to that, the, where I see the reason, the reason and the ways that people are breaking down is because our human evolution is not keeping up with our technological evolution that is fueled by our capitalist culture. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, when you decide that you want to figure out a way to have higher yields mm -hmm. and the human body hasn't figured out how to keep up with that, we are at a disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's wild. Yeah. All of these things that have sure. just passed again yeah. and again. And people are like, oh, well, it's FDA approved. Right. It must be safe. Yeah. And, you know, that idea of like, oh, it must be healthy sure. even. Sure. Okay. So, so, th <laughs> so thinking about your retreats and your work, tell us about a moment where you feel like you really have changed a mind and a mindset and really gone in and, and like seen the fruits of, mm. of your work. Okay. So on one, uh, really, I think it was our second retreat mm -hmm. up, upstate in New York in the Hudson Valley, mm -hmm. you know, a friend came to the retreat. It was maybe four days. And this was the kind of friend, again, I did not know what this friend's job was, no idea. But she came up, was like very supportive of the retreat, was like super down. We're like, oh, this is great. We, yeah, of course we want you there. This is going to be a vibe. And at certain points, she would just, you know, be gone. We'd be like, oh, well, I thought she was going to come to yoga. No, okay, like whatever, not a big deal. So turns out this friend was developing a television show oh. <laughs> as a showrunner for like, uh, several different TV shows and came up with a concept for an entirely new TV series. While she was there. Yeah. While she was wow. on retreat. And, you know, had had this blockage and was like, you know, I love going on retreat. I'm usually in California when I do this, but this seemed like a good fit yeah. to get some juices flowing. And it really, it really did. Wow. Yeah. And so it was one affirming that she trusted us with like that kind of yeah. writer's block. It's like a mini sabbatical she went on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So yeah, you know, between sort of the conversations we were having, some of the topics, and then just the other people who, you know, we surrounded her with. She later was like, it was exactly what I needed. And it, you know, led to so many other things now since then in 2018. Yeah. So yeah, I just feel 
that as far as like creative output, I was like, yeah. oh, wow, that's like tangible. Like, yeah. You, you made up the whole arc of the entire show. Got it. Okay. Like, yeah. That's what you do. <laughs> right. 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 Oh, yeah. wow. I love that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 Nice. All right. So that's Blind Seed. A big part of it was the event and curating and really influencing the wellness arc for folks. And so then you move into this role mm -hmm. that is in an organization. And so you, you have, so there's this thread of like entrepreneurial self, and then there's this in the corporate environment self. So, so tell us how that felt, how it worked, how it, how it. Yeah. So I remember, you know, I had been on my own at that point, you know, for a couple of years and, you know, I was excited about like working with the team again, you know, mm -hmm. having like, okay, we got all these all-stars, like every, all these sure. directors, everybody's going to be amazing, really experts, like in their subject area and really able to collaborate, Yeah, which was really exciting. You know, it, it can, these startups don't always have fully supported exactly. teams. Yeah. So I had to learn that again, like, you know, in a little bit of a ah, hard way sure. that some of the things, you know, I won't say that I was promised, but right. that I expected out of any organization as far as like support team, you know, how we work with legal and, you know, all mm. these other things, HR is like, hold on, <laughs> you know, like, wait a minute, guys. So, yeah. So, you know, you just end up wearing a lot of hats. And I think people see that when they see sort of like my background that, I'm capable of sure. doing quite a few things, right. but you know, I've learned a lot about boundaries, right? Um, you know, yeah. in, in my adult life. Sure. And it's kept me safe. Mm. Um, and you know, protected from exploitation yeah. and the ways that, you know, I think full-time employment working for someone else can get out of hand mm -hmm. <laughs> where it's like, Oh, but you're asking me to do things that aren't, part of my job right. description. So yeah. Yeah. sounds like we need to maybe make a new hire or right. reevaluate my compensation package. Exactly. So, yeah. And so I love, I love that you're talking about that. Like, so how do you go about having those conversations? Yeah. I mean, it's sticky because it's, it's sort of a value-based conversation. Sure. If someone believes in exploitation as like the way we're going to make money. Yeah. There's we're nowhere just to, on different yeah. pages. Sure. And so, yeah. you know, the team that brought me in, we were on the same page, you know, okay, we're in auster aust austerity measures, right? right? Yeah. With um, the pandemic, sure. you know, I started in late 2020. Oh, okay. So it was still full throttle. Yeah. Pandemia. Yeah. You know, slowly growing out of that. But when I started, what I expected was to have, you know, a team. Yeah. You know, yeah. here and there. Yeah. And that wasn't possible for 18 months. Wow. Wow. So, so did you have the opportunity to like, like you, you said in your other role, you were able to resource, outsource some things. Was that a possibility or it just really? Yeah. Oh, we definitely outsourced, you know, a lot, but you know, you can't really delegate to part-time yeah. folks yeah. or contracted folks yeah. in the same way. That's yeah. like, oh, I know you're going to handle it day sure. to day. So that was definitely, that was definitely a challenge. But it taught me that lesson of just like, let's just be upfront about what's the team going to look like and who I'm working with. And, you know, also how to kind of read between the lines, I think, mm -hmm. for future contracts. Yeah. Right. It's it's like a startup beware. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's common in startups. And, and people love it to be like, yeah. we're scrappy. Yeah. We're just going to figure it out. And right. I'm a go-getter. Like, I'll, I'm a team player. We're going to figure it out. Right. But... Now that I know this about myself, I'm going to have to insist that you pay me for at least two of the hats. Exactly. Instead of just none, what, because right. I'm going to really probably be wearing five. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a fit, very <laughs> good and fair point, because I think there's a, the I've, and the word is exploitation. Yeah. And, you know, my last guest was a, um, is a advisor to labor unions. Mm. And so I really have been thinking about this work mm -hmm. and dignity and work and really figuring out like how the worker takes back work yeah. because we are in a place where 
the exploiters are owning work and it really is causing the breakdown in wellness, the yeah. breakdown in everything that we're dealing with. And so to hear you, you, you have that ability because you are an executive, right? Like your level of, you know, your high level strategic operator, but thinking about people who might be on your team, what, what kind of like thinking or advising from a holistic perspective, would you give to say a person who's in the, in that in that position yeah it was hard i mean i think the advice i found myself continuing to give to my team my part-time folks and even yeah. you know my contractors was uphold your boundaries speak up like don't do things that aren't part of your job description and you know please don't go above and beyond mm. in certain ways sure you know it's sure. like yeah, I guess it's you have to temper it based on the environment that you're in, right? Like if it is the type of environment where that is rewarded, yeah. and I, I feel like um, the default, I think, is people think that above and beyond will get them to the next level, but that's definitely not necessarily the case. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, the idea that you'll get a raise or a bonus or, you know, some kind of prize yeah, maybe, you know, maybe not. It's kind of like, right. not in my experience, guys, not in a startup. Generally, if we're like breaking records and revenues like crazy, hmm, they're gonna just like make that part of the valuation and right. try to start cutting expenses even more. So it's not like, <laughs> no. That's good advice. Yeah. Like very good advice. Yeah, like do what your role is. And if they need to hire more people to do all that other stuff, right? then they need a new hire. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. it's really important to draw lines sure. around how these teams work. Yeah. Especially for black women. That's what I was getting to next. Because we're I'm so... sure you were working with a team of color. Yeah. By people. And yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, just recognizing that because you can do it doesn't mean that you must. Right. Good advice. Okay. <laughs> so, so let's talk about local speak. Mm. let's talk about what you hear so we want to hear what you hear so we ask for a word a phrase or a saying that is a meaningful part of your local experience and why or how you've come to value it as global speak and one thing we didn't talk about is you have lived not only in dc and in washington we know you were in pennsylvania you lived somewhere else as well on the west coast oh in la yeah yeah so I was a bit, yeah, bi-coastal in LA, like in the watermelon water days. Okay. Starting our West Coast teams sort of seasonally in the spring okay. and summer. Okay. So any of your locals, what what would you call your local speak? I mean, I mean, wellness ah. as a word means such different things yeah. in these different yeah. cities or parts of the world. What is wellness around the world? Let, just give us some examples. Of I mean, what. yeah, that's what's so beautiful. I mean, like we met in Ghana, right? Yes. In Ghana, wellness is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's true. Self-care, all of mm -hmm. that. It's foreign language. Yeah. Yes. It's mm -hmm. very foreign. You know, the idea of meditation is kind of like, you mean prayer? Mm-hmm. You know, healthy eating is like, you mean salad? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just all like that. very, yes. it's very different. And that's not to say they're not well, because I think they're quite well sure. and good. Yeah. It's just a different, a different understanding. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. In LA, I think wellness is like, you know, can be seen in other places like, okay, that's actually like f obsession with fitness mm -hmm. or, you know, detoxing or physicality, you know, sort of like physical presentation. Mm. Whether natural or augmented. Yes. Yes. And clean eating veganism, etc. Mm -hmm. I think in DC, wellness is more centered around like social wellness. Mm. Um, so the good of the group? No, more like how you relate to other people can kind of inform how good you feel. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I've never really had that thought before, but yeah, I, I, wellness, you know, feels like more of a function of like power, money, popularity, 
yeah. than yeah. like yeah. your own health and mental stability. Sure. I like that you say that because even in different sectors, like in the health sector, it has varied meanings or varied interpretations and across across the yeah mm -hmm. so yeah i mean different industries yeah it's wild you know a friend of mine is um a surgeon and you know we talk about mental health sure. you know and he's like no anxiety is a part of every day like that's just a part of my job oh okay. so what's the point of trying to manage it Interesting. it's like i just try to keep anxiety inducing things out of my life but anxiety's there it's like it's not going anywhere and i had to really sit with that because yeah <laughs> so then let's say that you have a retreat of people who come to you with this kind of perspective and it's common yes. for city dwellers period yes. we're all yes. in the city we're like but is this subway coming on time? Right. <laughs> you know, right. small things are yeah. like, oh, this could really ruin my day. And there are unique challenges, especially in New York, sure. DC, similarly traffic is, I mean, wild. And yeah, so I think really holding space for that kind of frenzy, just frantic energy mm -hmm. and giving everyone a chance to kind of slow down and really shake it off before we just dive into like retreat mode. Yeah. And it can feel like, you know, your your job's team building exercise. Like, okay, it's not that. Ah. Actually, take off your shoes yeah. and kick up your heels. Right, let's start there. Right. Like, actually, how can you be more comfortable? Mm -hmm. Actually, how can you breathe mm -hmm. and be more present in your yeah. body? Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Baby steps. Yeah, because people, you know, don't even realize they're not breathing. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I had to, I mean, I'm a runner, I'm an athlete and all that stuff. So I, I do a lot of deliberate, deliberate breathing, but it didn't, it started to occur to me after you know, doing, you know, the work retreats, things like that, that just mentally or for whatever reason that I hold my breath. Yeah. And a lot of people just hold it. And it's like, oh, maybe I'm thinking and I'm holding it or yeah. thinking. And it's just subconscious. Mm -hmm. But I think what we don't recognize is how that's actually impacting your bodily functions, yeah. right? Because your circulation is in impacted by it. Even inflammation is impacted mm -hmm. by how you're breathing. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah. So there's a lot of just like that, just mm -hmm. mindset stuff. Right that we can bring our awareness to and then it can kind of change everything. Sure, sure, sure. Well, this is a great dovetail into my mindset hack. So so what is your favorite mindset hack? So something you practice, something you know of, something you can even imagine. What? How do you hack your mindset? I think I have two that are coming to mind. Mm -hmm. So I always finish the yoga classes that I teach with a gratitude practice. Mm -hmm. So... At that point, everyone's kind of relaxed. Yeah. We're coming out of Shavasana. We're getting comfortable and we take a moment to just thank ourselves for showing up. We take a moment to thank our bodies for serving us so well for all these years. And then we take just kind of a moment of silence to think of just one more thing to be grateful for. And what I know from my personal experience and, you know, 10 years of teaching yoga is that you can never just think of one thing to yeah. be grateful for. It's, yeah, like, it's, it's a flood that it's it a opens flood. up a flood. Yeah. Floodgates. As soon as you make time and space for it. And I really do believe that gratitude is the key to happiness. And I think it the one follows the other. And so even in, you know, depressed times, even in grief, having a gratitude practice really was... Yeah. something that got me through. Yeah. And I like that you say that about grief because I think what people do so much when they're grieving and I I mean grief is its own thing, mm -hmm. right? It's a whole space of everything. But what what I often try to tell people is when you're grieving a loss, think about why that was so important to you. What made you happy about it because it will chip away the hurt 
or the feeling of loss because nothing is ever really lost, not in my mind. People, even even human beings aren't really lost. They just go to another place in your consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, I, when people always say, oh, shut up. You, what are you talking about? I miss my, yeah, you, yeah. I mean, but I've experienced loss. So I can say this is, this is how I have yes. come to terms with it. And obviously you have a longing sometimes and miss it, but, but just on the, the sheer strength of recognizing what our consciousness does for us mm-hmm. and that gratitude consciousness of even recognizing the value, like, like you said, thank you for showing up today. Thank you for this body yes. that is wakes you up every morning yes. like and constantly healing yes constantly constantly like all the time even right now yes you know whether you like it or not yeah like there is something that is working in your favor right um, right right yeah yeah absolutely okay mm-hmm. i love that i love that <laughs> oh and the second one mm-hmm. one hack that was the question right yes hack okay so it it also flows from this um i realized that i was like i need like something i wanted wait i was looking at like new ways to use my technology to kind of like keep me tethered to my practice and so i decided one day to set an alarm mm-hmm. that goes off like every three days or something i don't even know but okay. it's a random time yep and the alarm says look what god did ah and it just reminds me to like stop and take a breath and sort of take stock of like oh my god all these miracles yeah and Every time, Florence, every time it goes off, I just look around and I'm like, this is incredible. You know, all these moments can just slip by. But I think taking that moment to be like, oh, wow, it's happening again. It helps me to build momentum to be like, I'm so blessed. I'm so lucky. Or I've designed this amazing life Mm. for myself. Mm -hmm. And I get to do these things or, you know, I'm, I get to live these dreams. Right. Yeah. You know, and it, yeah. it reminds me that like, this is it. Yeah. This is life right now. Yeah. And like, you know, for, for what I believe, I feel that, you know, God's blessing me, but I also feel that like all of the universe is conspiring Every to, day, even, to even give me the vision. Day. Every day, all day. To even give me the idea. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all these things are like, okay, just unfolding as they should. So is that an app? Or it is just your your phone. I literally just use my okay. iPhone. Okay, We're, it's it's in the clock, the clock section. Oh, okay. <laughs> just one of my many alarms. Sure. Yeah, but it's one that's like way down. It's always on, and it's like you know, it's like every four days, every three days. I don't even know, sure. but it's always like sort of in the afternoon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like the randomness of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's foolproof. Yeah. Like every time, whether it's a quiet moment, stillness. Sure. You know, it 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 caught me. You know, hanging out with my niece and nephew, mm-hmm. making a snowman, Aww. you know, and I was like, this yes. is dope. Like, exactly. I love this. Or even times when I'm like at work and in a grind, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I get to do this work. Right. You know? Yeah. And that that's keywords I get to. That I have to, yeah. I get to, yeah. because some of it's a trudge, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are parts of my work that I'm just like, why? <laughs> But I have to, rem- I mean, it's the reminder, like, but I get to do this because I did dream this world. I dream, I dreamt this life, right? So yeah, yeah, dream. We're always dreaming, actually. I think that's what we don't, we take for granted. Yeah. But yeah. So just to remember that like more, more is possible mm-hmm. and that things will continue to unfold mm-hmm. in, in my favor, in our favor. Yes. So yes. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so you've traveled quite a bit, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, around, and and so you were in Ghana most recently. Yes, and so tell us a little bit more about wellness in your travels, because mm. you kind of started, but I want to kind yeah. of get a little bit more of. I mentioned the time when I was kind of by coastal between LA and New York, and that's kind of, I think really when I solidified my sort of travel wellness mm-hmm. you know like what that means yeah. what are the essential things that i need to feel good yeah. of course there's like an assortment of supplements and like mm. ashwagandha mm. and vitamin mm-hmm. d and mm-hmm. you know all these things yeah. magnesium but you know also coconut water mm-hmm. you know things that you know you want as a part of your practice i'm gonna find a movement practice so mm-hmm. i'm gonna probably bring a yoga mat or travel sure. 
um, with some comfy clothes that yep. I can actually move in. Yep. I love music, mm -hmm. making it and also listening to it and dancing to it. Sure. So I always seek out, you know, local music, live shows, um, because that's what feels like home for me. I come from a family of musicians. Mm -hmm. um, I also love to get instruments when I travel. Okay. I love to get local spices when I travel. Sure. And, you know, yeah, to just continue cooking and think about the flavors of, you know, of course, the diaspora, but just of all the places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm also very curious about like spiritual wellness in a lot of different places and thinking about how faith, you know, informs language and <laughs> culture and, you know, ritual. And yeah, so that's always really fascinating to me, but also can can be difficult to source or have access to as an outsider. Right. Which is yeah. appropriate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. but yeah, always rewarding. You know, sure. when I I think in Cuba, you know, really having an experience of Santeria and like mm. getting to speak with a priestess and be a witness at a ceremony, you know, it's just like, okay. This is I, I, yeah. yeah, this is this is something. And so you actually, I think, gave a sound bath in Ghana. I did. Yeah. Oh. So, you know, I after my first sound bath, which was like three or four years ago mm -hmm. here in New York, I was talking to the the woman who gave the bath. I was like, oh, we'd, I'd love it if you could come to Ghana. You should come to Ghana. I mean, yeah, that's me dreaming big or what have you. And then when I heard that you were there and I didn't even know about it, I was like, oh, wow. So, so tell us about that. Yeah, it yeah. was wonderful. I partnered up, I, you know, I collaborated with this yeah. venue called Serenity House yeah. that has this beautiful garden, mm -hmm. courtyard. Yeah. yeah we just made a really comfortable space mm -hmm. for people to lie down, stretch out, and just receive sound waves. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to sort of be guided through a meditative journey. You know, I think our intention was just like to kind of envision our future selves, but also to call in this present moment and sort of the ancestors that also, you know, created that. Sure, sure. And so did you come with your, do you travel with Yes, your so sounds? in this case, I traveled with my instruments, yeah. which was wild because I, m my luggage was lost for six days. Oh, wow. And the only wow. things that arrived were, were your instruments. my instruments and maybe two dresses. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so. so that was the universe telling you you're coming to give this sound bath and that other stuff you can find. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, so I brought some crystal bowls made of quartz crystal. Um, I had quite a few wooden instruments. Okay. I have some sort of wooden wind chimes that I work with, some percussion instruments, drums, and what else? Oh, I had some metal instruments, some tinkering chimes, and also like my glockenspiel. As you can see, I have my small... <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> my small um, sound, sound bowl collection. And so I'm always intrigued by, just as a sound, a sound healer, your ability to compose mm. a session. So what goes into composing a session? Like, is it in the moment or have you thought about it? Like, how, how does that come? That's such a great question. I, you know, I, I grew up singing. I was a vocalist for a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, forever. Yeah. <laughs> Again, first memories. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, but I come from a, a family of jazz musicians. Okay. So improv is something I like, you know, ah, in my lineage. Sure. And yeah. so I always appreciated, you know, one advice, one bit of advice that my younger brother actually taught me. He was like, you know, you just, and he was like child prodigy of the family. Okay. So this kid is like, you know, 11 touring the world with his trumpet and, you know, a jazz band. Yeah. And he comes back one day from rehearsal and he's like, yeah, I mean, to improv, it's like, it's easy. You just have to just get in key and just play around in, in key. And I was like, huh huh, that's what you say, but I don't know if it works that way. And so in developing our practice with, you know, multiple different instruments, I've learned to kind of just try to find harmonies mm -hmm. and keep it relatively simple. Sure. So in this case, for my, my Ghana trip, yeah. I knew, you know, I wasn't going to be able to bring all of my instruments. So I kind of parted down to three 
sound bowls, you know, a couple of half of my chimes, you know, one of my percussion sort of xylophones, one of the two drums, an ocean drum, you know, um, and just get more creative about ways to play. And when something feels like it's missing, I use my voice. Ah, that's a different, I've never been to one where the voice Mm -hmm. is part of the sound. I can't wait yeah. for us to go together yes. or to be there to together. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And that's one thing I think I realized really in 2020 was to celebrate Black voices mm. and the difference of going to a yoga class sure. or a musical performance right. where it's a Black voice. Yeah. And I really had never acknowledged that there was something in the voice of the oppressor. Mm. that I was hearing that occasionally was triggering me. And I had to give myself some grace with that and acknowledge that this isn't me being racist. This is maybe some epigenetic trauma that's held in my body that I deserve to acknowledge. Yeah. And I can just soften and acknowledge that what I need is to celebrate Black voices, including my own, but to to just let myself be in a, in a Black space or in a BIPOC space without being colonized or compromised or told it needs to happen a certain different way or it needs to be informed by this other, you know, more Western practice or... What an amazing statement because I feel like we ignore that so, so much. And so I, I thank you for that. That's, yeah. Black voices, it is meaningful. Yeah, yeah, for Black people and especially, and of the diaspora, because I think so much of the voices of, of Black peoples across the world, the globe, it's, there's the echo of colonization. Right. And it's yeah. ever present in a lot of ways, yeah. so. And I had to even acknowledge, you know, my own participation in it. Sure. And I think yeah. that was a reckoning that really happened for me in 2020 that r- radicalized me mm-hmm. in certain ways. And I know, you know, we discussed, or I feel like something came up about, you know, sort of how we exist as activists. Sure. And, you know, I was definitely on all the front lines, like back in the day, yeah. you know, yeah. with my picket sign. I was carrying a, a picket sign to class, you know what I mean? Just being like, it's always protest mode in my world. You know, I'm singing all the chants. You're going to see it on my t-shirt. Yeah. You're going to know yeah. the vibes. And, you know, whether it was police violence or just sort of that rage yeah. that comes with a lot of activist circles and protests, it really started to wear on my nervous system. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that that was happening. But that combined with just, you know, dom- domestic violence, dating violence, you know, living as a Black woman who is threatened in various ways, you know, in the world, I I had to really recalibrate and understand that there's other ways to exist Mm -hmm. as an activist. And so that's what really fueled my transition to healing arts, because I realized that I could make as much of a difference in allowing those kinds of activists to have a space to recover and soften and recenter to remember why they do this work yeah. because it it can be so thankless yeah. even an environmental yeah. activist right exactly. you know like with all the strides that we make you know as a community or in, in government a lot of times you just have one l yes. you know and those losses can yeah. you know you. take away 60 years of yeah. work yeah. yeah truth true so, so yeah so i think it's just again and that's a form of grief, right? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. helping people to to remember the why and the things that were satisfying about it and the the successes that have existed and all those things come up for me in meditation or in these sort of meditative experiences. Yeah. And by asking the right questions. Sure, sure, sure. So <sighs> this has been so awesome. Getting me to know. Too. Yeah. And so <laughs> I want to take a slight pivot into the we we started talking a little bit about it when you talk about your Ghana trip. But who is Tara when she's not working yeah. or being a healer or any of that? So I try I ask the question: Are you a reader, a watcher, a listener? And what are some of your favorite reads, watches, or listens? 
I think of I'm a listener. Okay. Yeah. I can I yeah, guess that. <laughs> I love music. Gosh, what am I listening to? I just listened to a really brilliant audiobook. Okay. Uh, it was called Breath. Breath. And it was all about breathing. Okay. And how we do or don't breathe. Sure. And the difference, you know, that it can make in our lifetime, but also like in, in humanity and the ways that we've adapted to, to certain things. I'm going to have to read that it's one. It's really. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. you know, based, I mean, the ways that our bodies have changed in response to the foods that we eat. Yeah. The way ah, like, so it talks yeah. it really yeah. breath. Yeah. Okay. It was, it was show really notes, interesting. Folks, yeah. It will be in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what's coming up for me now. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, we'll take it. <laughs> that, I mean, it just fits with the whole conversation. So I love that. And, and knowing that it's that one's part practitioner, part to self self-help mm-hmm. is, is, is good for us. Right. Nonfiction. Breath. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. All right. So I know our time is going. And so before we sign off, do you have any last thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Mm. I think I would like to just encourage everyone to examine their own weirdness Mm. and acknowledge the things that you do to feel better more often. You might not be the only one doing them. And I want to affirm whatever that practice is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whether you're the only one or you're the first one to ever do it. It's awesome. (laughs) And that's awesome. (laughs) Thank you so, so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, local citizens. This has been another episode of the podcast. You can catch us Tuesdays with new episodes at localcitizenspod.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Like, share, subscribe, leave us a review. I believe that last week I established the goal of 100 reviews in 2024. And there was not one review yet. So listeners, I'm putting it out there. 100 reviews in 2024. We had great listener numbers, but we need reviews. So that's the last I'll say about it this week. So bye for now. <laughs>